So, vision series. Why a vision series? We, our vision is posted on our website. We talked about it last year. We talked about it the year before that. And now we're going to talk about it again. Why? Well, here's why. Our objective in this series is to remember and to renew our commitment to why Orchard's Church exists. It's easy throughout the year and in the midst of life and all that goes on to lose track of the why, of the purpose behind why we exist as a church and why we want to be faithful to gather and to be a part of community, to be in the scriptures, to follow Jesus well. And so this is answering the why question. We exist to work together to bear fruit as we are rooted in Jesus. This is our shared identity as a community in Christ. And our statement is we are rooted in Jesus together bearing fruit. Rooted in Jesus together bearing fruit. In this series, we're clarifying our purpose and process. This is what we live for. But in this statement is also the process. It's a cyclical process that we are constantly a part of. And so, uh, Brad, go ahead and move to that last slide that has all three of them together. That, that slide doesn't exist. Oh, sorry. So we're going to go through them one at a time, which is a good thing. So rooted in Jesus. Uh, you know, I, I tend to want to explain these, but that's what the series is all about. Let me say this. By this statement, we can evaluate every choice that we make and everything that we do. We can look at this statement and say, what I'm about to do, the choice I'm going to make to add something to my schedule, is it a part of me, my family, my household being rooted in Jesus? Is it a part of being together as a community, my household, but also my church? And even the other places that I'm in community, is it a part of community? And will it bear fruit? Will there be good things that are produced by what I'm about to commit to? And in that way, we can really have a great tool for discerning what God's will is. What are the good things to do? And maybe even what are some of the things I need to quit doing? Maybe if there are things I'm doing that aren't rooted in Jesus, and I can't do them with anybody else, and they're not going to produce any fruit, maybe I shouldn't be doing them. I mean, this is kind of silly, but just lately. Uh, so this summer, I did a lot of walking, and I got tired of just walking, so I started playing disc golf on my walks. I've said this before. Uh, but lately I've been going out, you know, and taking time maybe three times a week, but I've been doing it alone. And I've just been convicted that that's not a good choice uh, for me. It could be in another season. For a while it was. But I've just made a choice. I'm not actually going to go out and disc golf for the moving forward unless I can go with someone. So I'll invite someone to join me. But if they can't, if I can't do it together, uh, I don't want to be alone for that 45 minutes. I want to be together. And so it's, yeah, it's not rooted in Jesus. It's not really giving me the rest that it used to. And it's not together. It's not producing any fruit. So I dropped it. And I just feel good about that. Such a simple choice. But I laid it alongside this purpose statement and said, yeah, I'm going to stop doing that. And I'm going to do it together. And so that is why we are in this series. So today, we are going to focus on rooted in Jesus. And then the next two weeks, we'll follow through with those next two pieces. But I want you to say this together with me. This mission statement is only six words long. I think we can memorize it in two seconds. So let's see if we can do this. I'm going to say we are, and then I want you to respond together, rooted in Jesus, together bearing fruit. Okay? We'll do it a couple times. So we are rooted in Jesus, together bearing fruit. We are... Rooted in Jesus, together bearing fruit. We are rooted in Jesus, together bearing fruit.
So let's dive into the scriptures and really talk deeply about what it means to be rooted in Jesus. Man, so good, Rick. Thanks. Yeah, go ahead and grab your Bibles. Turn to John 15. And if you were here for uh, the sermon that we gave when we changed our name to Orchards, uh, you're going to recognize this passage because um, we just hit on it just you know, a few months ago. Uh, but I'm going to just read it for us, um, starting in verse 4. And um, then we'll pray, and then we'll dive in. So this is John 15. I'm going to start reading in verse 4. This is Jesus speaking to the disciples. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me, and I in him... He it is that bears much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered and thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Lord, we come before you and we ask that you would reveal yourself to us today, that we would pursue you with our whole hearts. And as we pursue, we would find your truth, your love, your presence here among us. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. So before we dive into exactly what does it mean to be rooted in Jesus, which I think this passage does a really good job of explaining for us, um, I want to talk about, uh, just kind of tag on my two cents onto Rick uh, about why we're doing a vision series, why I even talk about the direction that we're headed as a church. And the reality is we have a, a mission to do as a church. Before Jesus ascended, he said, go into all the world, and as you go, make disciples. Everything we do at Orchards is a part of a cycle of making disciples. Everything we do, this gathering, Bible study, community, worship, regeneration, youth, baptism, every aspect of what we do is a part of this like crescendo point of making disciples. And so I want to talk about what does being a disciple mean? If this is what we're after, if this is the whole point of our purpose and existence, and what does it mean here to make disciples? And um, I, I want to go back to what it meant in the first century, and that'll kind of help us then understand what it can mean for us today. In the first century, a disciple was, was usually a teenage boy. That was, a, that was a disciple. And he had a rabbi who was a teacher who would walk from village to village, town to town, teaching. And he had disciples, these teenage boys, that would follow him around. And they had a saying for the disciples. They said, may you be covered in, with the dust of your rabbi. Because they'd walk, and it was dusty roads, and the whole idea is that a disciple would take on the teaching of the rabbi. Disciple would take on, they would call it the yoke of the rabbi. He would learn the rabbi's teachings through and through. He would embody the rabbi's teachings through and through. He would live it out, and then he would have his own teaching as the fruit out of the rabbi's teaching as he grew older. Now, everything we do here is about growing as disciples. Now, Again, if we're going to understand what this word disciple means, I think a, a more modern word that would help us understand outside of Christianese would be the word apprentice, right? If you're an apprentice electrician, 
or an apprentice welder, or fill in the blank, you know, an apprentice potter. The idea is that you grow continually and become more and more like your master until you've mastered it. And then you take on apprentices, etc. So this act of going and making disciples is actually not something that just stops at evangelism. We would go and bring someone who's outside the family inside the family and say, hey, now you're a disciple, congratulations, and leave it alone. Now what we do is iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. We get into life together. We grow together. We pursue love and good deeds together. And then we bear fruit together because we're rooted in Jesus together. And sometimes the reality is there are, I think you and I probably mentally have a much higher standard for an apprentice than we do for a disciple of Jesus. And here's what I mean by that. Like, imagine, like, you go into a welding shop and you've got a welder, a master welder, an apprentice. And uh, the apprentice is, like, making this mistake and the welder's like, oh, it's okay, here, let me work with you on that and let me fix that. And you're like, oh, cool, he's teaching him. And you come back a year later and then you see the apprentice making the same mistake and the welder being like, okay, well, let me help you with that. And you come back five years later (laughs) You see the apprentice making the same mistake over again and the master being like, okay, let me help you with that. And unfortunately, my experience in the church has been over decades that we tend to just struggle with the same sins over and over again. And I'm, I'm just tired of it. I, disciples make progress. I make progress. I need to. I have to. We make progress. We, we, we grow. We get better. And as humans, we're constantly searching for identity, ways to identify ourselves. And suddenly these passions, these sins, these things that draw us down become more and more parts of our identity. And we begin to say, yeah, sorry, I'm just this way. And that's not the way of Jesus. The way of Jesus is disciple. Now, here's the problem with drawing closer to the light is the closer you draw to the light, the bigger of a shadow you cast, right? The more and more of your own brokenness you see. And what I want us to do today as we're talking about being rooted in Jesus is let the rabbi speak to us. Because there's Jesus' way and then there's Daniel's way. And there's always a gap. There's always a gap. And I want to close that gap more and more every day of my life, every year of my life. I want our family to do this together every day, growing more and more like Jesus. And then we turn around as imperfect disciples and we say, hey, you're a disciple here. Let's grow together. And we do it together. And sometimes that process of growing together is is painful because especially these ruts of sin in our lives, in my life, sometimes we just think this is normal. This is how life is meant to be. I, uh, I just threw out my back this last week. It was funny. I was getting out of my car to meet Rick, and I was just like, oh, nope, that's not anything happening today. <laughs> and so I made a call. If you don't know Brian Wilkins, he's right, right here in the, like, across, not even across the street, right here at Elite Spinal Sport, and he goes here. And I was like, I need help. <laughs> I'm dying. And so I went to see him. I've never seen a chiropractor before. Is it normal to wish pain on them while they're working? I felt that way deeply. And then he sent me a text for a Google review, and I was like, oh, you're getting a Google, I'll Google review you. No. Uh, he did a great job, uh, I think, I don't know. Uh, but what happened was he, was he had me splayed like this, and he kept pulling my leg, and I was like, my leg doesn't go like that. <laughs> and he kept doing it and doing it, 
And my leg, every time he did it, went further and further and further. And it was a painful process, but I would gotten used to, I guess, my leg just not doing that. I thought, this is normal. I needed someone else, someone else's lens, to look at it and even painfully help me through it to where I could get back to normal. And our normal is righteousness. Our normal is walking with Jesus every day, dedicated to his kingdom. That's our normal. That's our true north. And so we come to this, rooted in Jesus, and we say, how do we do this? And I think this passage here in John 15 is beautiful. Abide in me and I in you, as a branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. This Greek word uh, for abide is the word meno, and it means uh, to continue, it means to, to abide. I don't, the problem, I, I love the word abide, I just don't think we use it in Americanese very much. I even tried to think of the last time there was like a pop culture reference to abide. All I could think was the great Lebowski. And he went, finish this. The dude abides. This is like the last time we used it in this country. Jeff Bridges. Thanks, man. <laughs> like, but here, it's in one of my favorite passages in the Bible. What does it mean to abide in Jesus, to continue in Jesus? And the language we're using is agricultural, is rooted in Jesus. Because we, we understand that metaphor of, of a tree being planted, being rooted in Jesus. And throughout history, I think different Christians have approached what does it mean to be rooted in, in Jesus with different language. So even Paul, the apostle, he called this prayer without ceasing in 1 Thessalonians five seventeen. Prayer without ceasing. Then... Um, uh, and, and by the way, many Christians, even today, call this kind of like where you make Jesus the center of your affections and your attention, communion with God. There's a 15th century monk, you've heard me talk about him before, I'm a big fan, this guy named Brother Lawrence. He was this Parisian monk, and he was not like the head of the monastery. He didn't become abbot. He just, he was a dishwasher and worked in the kitchens. I think maybe he even got up to chef. <laughs> like, congratulations. And this nondescript monk uh, started gaining a following all over Europe because of what he called the practice of the presence of God. Continually being aware of God's presence in your life. And he wrote a book. Actually, his followers begged him to write anything down. Just write something down so there's a record of it. So there's this like tiny little book. You can read it in under an hour and it's the practice of the presence of God. I'm going to read um, a quote from this. We should fix ourselves firmly in the presence of God by conversing all the time with him. We should feed our soul with a lofty conception of God and from that derive great joy in being his. We should put life in our faith. We should give ourselves utterly to God in pure abandonment, in temporal and spiritual matters alike, and find contentment in the doing of his will, whether he takes us through sufferings or consolations. What a beautiful picture of waking up every day and saying, Lord, what do you have for me today? 
every conversation, every parenting moment, every meeting at work, every class in school. Jesus, what are you doing now? Turning our attentions again and again and again, practicing the presence of God. Absolutely beautiful. And if you're anything like me, and maybe you're a practical person or a realist, you go, yeah, great. Okay, how do I practice the presence of God when my two-year-old is screaming at my feet while I make my six-year-old a peanut butter sandwich? Or how do I do this when I watch the news at night? Or how do I do this as I scroll through Facebook? How do I, I'm sorry. (laughs) What do I do? What do I do? You know, there's this wonderful sermon Jesus gave once. You've heard of it called the Sermon on the Mount. And in the Sermon on the Mount, he talks about not being anxious about anything. He says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these other things will fall into place. Seek first the kingdom. Think constantly in our life, we're organizing our priorities. What comes first? Then what comes second? And every day we're making priority decisions. What comes first? What comes second? What comes third? Sometimes you get a text message and you go, that's priority one right now, this moment, I need to deal with this. And sometimes you get a text message and you say, Gabe, I'll be back to you in a couple days. <laughs> we, we are constantly prioritizing things. And I think this is the grid work for disciples of Jesus prioritizing is kingdom first always, always. His kingdom, always first, always first. What about my own agenda? His kingdom first. What about, what about this guy who said something that really offended me? His kingdom first. What about this policy? His kingdom first. Everything under the crescendo moment peak of his kingdom. And we pursue it. And then all these things will be added to you. And by the way, even Brother Lawrence here, you want to go to the next quote? He was not disrupted by chaos in his world. Has anyone here worked in a kitchen, fast food, anything like that? Would you like describe that as like a serene environment? (laughs) No. (laughs) This is what Brother Lawrence said. The time of business does not differ with me from the time of prayer. And the noise and clatter of my kitchen, while several persons are at the same time calling for different things, I possess God in as great tranquility as if I were on my knees. I love that. I strive for this, to be rooted in Jesus just like this. You know, we're kind of going through history, looking at different people, seeing what does it mean to them, those who have gone before, to be rooted in Jesus. And there's a guy who's much more contemporary than Brother Lawrence. He just passed away within the last decade, a guy named Dallas Willard. Um, And he picked up this Brother Lawrence language about the practice of the presence of God. And I want to read a quote of his real quick. It says, The first and most basic thing we can and must do is keep God before our minds. This is the fundamental secret of caring for our souls. Our part in this practicing the presence of God is to direct and redirect our minds constantly to him. I love that. Direct and redirect our minds constantly to him. 
and keep reading. In the early time of our practicing, we may well be challenged by our burdensome habits of dwelling on things less than God. But these are habits, not the law of gravity, and can be broken. Not incredible. Thinking about our proclivity to deviate from God constantly all day long is a habit that can be broken. Wow. A new grace-filled habit will, will replace the former ones as we take intentional steps towards keeping God before us. Soon our minds will return to God as the needle of a compass constantly returns to north. If God is the great longing of our souls, he will become the pole star of our inward beings. Man, abide, abide, abide. Every day, plugged in, There's not a time when a grapevine is like detaching from the vine because I'm too busy. There's not a time when a branch leaps off a tree to go purchase some property. We constantly, constantly, daily, moment by moment, are plugging into the Savior, saying, I need you, Jesus, right now, this moment, today. So, as we're talking about our habit of darting away from God, um, I think sometimes my solution to stuff is I'm like, well, I've got some willpower. I'll just apply that and hope that fixes it. And I don't know if you're anything like me, but my willpower is never enough. Actually, do you guys know they do studies that humans all pretty much have the same amount of willpower? We think that people have like different levels of willpower, but the reality is most people have the same amount of willpower and exist as products of the systems that we set up around us. Willpower is not strong enough to get us there. Systems, habits, structure, community. We need these things to build out the fruit that we want in our life. And so as we've been looking through people throughout history, say, what practices do you have to stay rooted in Jesus? Um, Rick was mentoring me when I was 18 every week. I've learned so much from Rick, and I'm so grateful for his presence in my life and for our family. Um, And so I want to ask Rick to lead us in what does it mean to build habits? Yeah, keep us rooted in Jesus. Yeah, thank you, Daniel. Yeah, so let's look at, at answering. And here's some questions I feel like Daniel raised that, that we get to step into answering. How do we make progress as disciples? Like, yeah, I want to. I agree with that idea and that principle. How specifically do I do it? Or how, as Brother Lawrence would say, how do I fix myself on the presence of God all the time? How? Is there, are there tangible things I can know to do? Or in the words of Dallas Willard, what are the intentional steps that I can take to keep God before me? So I want to share with you four practices. You know of them, but they are the answer to that question. And they really, I believe, are four essentials. They're not just good ideas, and you might choose from them. There are a lot of spiritual practices out there and a lot of different things we can do to grow in our faith. And I would say many of them are optional. Some of them are great for seasons in your life. You should do them 
you know, at this time, but not at this time. But what I want to share with you now are like I, what I believe are the four essentials for every disciple that need to be there and really need to be there on a daily basis, I believe. And I think history has told us that, and I think many teachers and mentors would tell us the same. So those four are these. The first one is worship. Worship is a practice that every disciple needs to focus on God, to stay in the presence of God, to stay aware of Jesus' worship. And I want to tie some metaphors to these, because we think of our bodies. There's certain things that we do with our bodies faithfully every day. They're intentional. They're what keep us healthy. They're what keep us alive and strong. And they're fairly easy, because we've made them a lifestyle. One of them is breathing. And I'm grateful that breathing is an involuntary discipline. We don't have to think about it. I don't have to, oh, I forgot to breathe for the last two minutes. Like, if you did that, you'd Speak die. Speak for yourself, Rick, man. Oh, it's, okay, well, I'm speaking for myself. But breathing is involuntary. And in the same way, worship can be very involuntary. And I think a lot of times we don't realize that we're worshiping. Uh, but I think just about any time that you're taking a walk or you're out in creation, you're out in a landscape, what's happening in you generally is worship. You're just responding to the beauty, to the goodness, to the smells. And that's worship. To just be in it and to appreciate it is worship. And we really need a little bit of space every day to worship, to make sure we're breathing every day. The second discipline is found in the scriptures uh, or in prayer. That would be another one. Uh, prayer is another discipline that should be in our lives every day, and I would equate that physically to water. No matter what is available to us um, in the way of meals, every day we need to be hydrated, and prayer is like hydration. I think when Paul said pray without ceasing, he was basically saying stay spiritually hydrated. And that's what prayer can be for us. And so the best way to start out a day is to begin to practice prayer in the morning, even if it's just for a couple of minutes. To say, before I get too far in this day, I want to acknowledge my dependence on you, Jesus. I want to acknowledge that I won't get through the day well if I don't invite you into today and what's going to happen today. Just a simple prayer like that, where we acknowledge our dependence on God and we begin to drink water for the day. And people who hydrate well carry around a water bottle like Daniel does, and they tend to sip on it all day long. And that's what Paul was talking about when he said, pray without ceasing. Keep sipping. Keep sipping. Whenever there's tension in the day, that's a signal to pray. Whenever there's a feeling of anxiety, that's a signal to pray. Whenever there's a feeling of inadequacy, like I'm just not up for what's demanded of me in this next half hour, this meeting I'm about to step into, I dread. That's a signal to pray. Hydrate your spirit. Draw on the strength of God to carry you into and through the moments that are in front of you. And then a third discipline is scripture. Scripture is like bread. This is this metaphor Jesus used very often. And again, I, I say to you, I don't know how um, people who don't know Jesus get through their day well. For me, Scripture's absolutely vital. No matter what it is and where I am, I find myself needing every morning a little bit of bread for my spirit. Just to begin to fuel my spirit so it keeps up with my day. So that I'm engaged not just mentally and physically, but I'm engaged spiritually in the day. I'm drawing on the Holy Spirit and the strength of God. I need to eat at least a little bit of bread every day. And then the fourth discipline, I would say, is essential for every follower of Jesus, every apprentice, every day, is to serve in some way. And service is like exercise. It's where we take, we took in the fuel, I took in the hydration, 
I'm ready to go, and now I need to do something about it. I need to move my spirit. I need to exercise my spirit. And exercise most often is in the form of service. So what does it look like to commit daily in some way to make sure I give some of my day away to serve someone else? Now, if you don't live alone, you're way ahead because you have either a roommate or a spouse or some children that you can immediately think of to serve them. But how do I begin the day in service? How do I start to exercise my spirit? And I want to I wrap these up in this challenge to you that we, uh, we need to take responsibility for ourselves. We are in a cultural moment where there's a lot of uh, modeling and opportunity to criticize others and to place blame in many places for the way life is going. And I think, I can't think of a better moment in our culture when really it would be really healthy for every human, follower of Jesus or not, but especially disciples of Jesus, to stop the criticism of others and the judgment of others and the evaluation of others and say, what about me? What about me? You remember Jesus said, don't go try to take the speck out of someone else's eye when you have a log in yours. And so even daily to say, what about me? Can I take responsibility for me? Uh, no matter what it is, um, it's easy for us to give up for that willpower to not come through when others around us don't seem to be doing their part. But until some people in the room are doing their part, it's hard for anyone. And I believe that Jesus followers are called to be leaders in whatever community they are a part of, in your household, in your job, in your neighborhood. Because we have the strength of Jesus, because we walk with the Holy Spirit, we are the ones who are capable of coming to the table with a way forward, with health, with love, with joy, with peace, with kindness, with self-control. Those qualities are very sparingly experienced in our culture right now, but they are the qualities of the fruit of the Holy Spirit. And so we have this privilege and this obligation. And so I want to ask you in this week to consider how well am I doing with these four regular, simple, essential discipleship practices? Am I worshiping God in some way daily? Especially am I beginning the day in some sense of worship? Am I praying? Am I admitting my dependence on God and inviting him into my day? Am I grabbing a hold at least a little bit of the truth of the scriptures, empowering my soul? And am I turning myself not just to get through the day to do what I know I need to do for me, but am I thinking of others and how I can serve them? These are basic disciplines that I think we're all called to, to, every, to every day. And if you don't feel like you're there, let me encourage you to create a little bit of structure to take 10 minutes every morning to do these four disciplines. Just 10 minutes. Spend two minutes on each one. Two minutes saying a little prayer. Maybe you write that prayer. Maybe it's a prayer you would like to say daily for a while. And so instead of taking, taking up your two minutes, try to come up with good words, write a prayer for yourself to pray as your morning prayer to get started. Read the scriptures. Um, don't get hung up on where to read. Read anywhere. My retreat in the Bible is always the Gospels. If you're in a Bible reading program and it's February and you're in the middle of Leviticus and it's not doing it for you, go to the Gospels. Go to the Psalms. The Gospels are the story of Jesus. Jesus is the center of the scriptures. It's a safe place. It's a living place. It's a place even children can understand. Sometimes we don't have the capacity to grasp that Leviticus is reference literature. 
It's like reading a dictionary or an encyclopedia. The Gospels are the story of the one we love. And then take two minutes every day to just serve someone. Just in a simple way, service might be encouragement. Service might be starting that email to a coworker with a friendly um, relational sentence or two that just kind of acknowledges, hey, I know you're human and I know we have a relationship. And I'm about to ask you for something or tell you something that I need to on a practical basis, but let me start this email just with a personal introduction, serve someone in that way. Now, four habits, 10 minutes, that's only eight minutes. I gave you two minutes of margin so you can pull it off. But that's my call to you today. If there's any sense of what can I do about this, what's a practical way to say yes to being rooted in Jesus, I would say to you, structure in your day the opportunity to worship, pray, read the scriptures, and serve in some way. Daniel, how should we wrap this up? You know, um, I'm glad, I'm I'm sure you all are so glad you came to church today to learn you need to like read and pray and worship and serve. I know it's brand new revelations and it's hot off the presses and um, I think, uh, yeah, this, it's so perfect because, if you're like me, I, I am not, I'm not doing all of those things every day. And I need to for my soul. What I don't want any of this to come off as, as another guilt trip that you're not doing enough. I, I hope this actually comes off as, here's a, here's a cup of cold water for a weary worker. Come drink. Life nourishment, sustenance. Come partake of God's goodness here, now. Jesus said this in Matthew eleven twenty eight. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden. Does anyone feel like that? I do. And I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. That's disciple language. For I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. It's a promise from Jesus to you. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. The suggestion of two minutes a day, sometimes I think we turn like prayer into like we read these people who are like, I I wake up at like 2.30 in the morning and I pray for six hours and then I work until 3.30 in the morning the next day and then I don't sleep and then I do it again and it just becomes like this unsurmountable thing we can never reach. And habit research shows if you want to build a habit, you make it as convenient and easy and simple as possible just to start out. Two minutes a day, two minutes a day, two minutes a day. And so often, I'll meet with people about sin or struggle or relational strife or whatever, and I always just ask, hey, would you mind telling me what your daily, like, walk with Jesus is like, prayer, scripture? And so often the answer is, I'm not doing as much as I should. I'd like to. These four things are, it's preventative medicine. It's not going to solve every problem in the world, but it is going to be life for a thirsty soul. Um, there's a guy called uh, Dick Schroeder, um, and Dick was to my dad, Vaughn, what Rick has been for me. Um, mentored him in college, um, walked with him, trained him up, sent him out overseas to plant a church in Tehran, Albania. When the church in Albania was raising up its first generation of church planters, they flew Rick, or <laughs> Rick, they flew Dick over 
to train them and send them out. Um, I've just grown up with legend stories about Dick Schroeder my whole life. He was a house painter his whole career who did ministry always. And he passed away this last couple weeks. And my parents just went to his memorial. And there's a guy, um, dad, dad got invited to live with Dick while he was in college. And had Dick on this massive pedestal and then lived with him. I was like, I'm pretty sure I f- found him napping during his quiet time during the first week. <laughs> like, and, and saw a man who everywhere he went was connecting people to Jesus. Always. Always making disciples. Always being a disciple. Painting. Always had a college student along with him painting, learning, growing, engaging. And one of dad's college roommates, Mark, asked him before he died, he said, Dick, like, what are some principles you have for us so that we can live like that too? And Dick looked at him and tears filled his eyes and he said, man, I don't know. I just fell in love with Jesus. That's it. I just fell in love with Jesus. And that's what you and I get to do every day love Jesus more and more and more and more and find ourselves rooted in him every day and see the transformation that takes place in our lives, in the lives of our family, in the lives of our friends, in our community, in our city, in our world as we fall in love with Jesus and we're rooted in Jesus. Family, can we do that together? Yeah. I want to go back in closing to John 15. We read 4 through 10 and I want to read Uh, verse 11. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. We're rooted in Jesus for joy. I need more joy in my life. Maybe you do too. Let's stand. Let's pray together.